0: Hi everybody! Welcome to Page by Page on Less Here at Network. I'm pretty stoked today. I gotta say, I'm pretty freaking stoked right now, and I sound like a total nerd because I'm nerding out. And I'm really excited to be here with SX Noir. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Hello. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for coming. This is so exciting. Of course, of course.
1: Anything you need, I'm here. <laughs>
0: Well, so uh, I'll give the listeners a little bit of background. So um, SX Noir is the thought leader. That's T-H-O-T of sex tech, thought leader of sex tech, leading the conversation on the intersection of sex work and sex tech. Um, She's the president of the Women of Sex Tech. She has created a podcast, Thought Leader Pod, in an attempt to hack the conversation on sex, love, dating, and tech. Uh, she believes in empathy in the digital space and that's the key to intimacy and aims to destigmatize the conversation regarding sex in digital spaces. Um, and I love this line. Uh, she says that, uh, SX says, we as American citizens have the right to the pursuit of happiness through social, emotional, and financial upward mobility. Um, amazing. Wow. And I guess period. And the uh, the interview's <laughs> over now. I guess everything's uh, that says it all. What more can be said? The podcast is done. Uh, there you have it. Uh, so that is so, so much to dig into and it's very exciting. So um, let's start with how did you realize that you wanted to do good in the world of sex positivity? Like how did, how did that come about?
1: Wow. Um, that's a hell of a question. Yeah. It's, it's funny, you know, that last sentence in my bio, I added it, um, as of last year when we were doing so much, um, protesting and activism and, you know, I put we as American citizens, because I felt like the digital world we live in is just so international. And so the scope is so wide. I wanted to narrow it down a little bit for us to Mm -hmm. understand how legislation and politics apply to our sexuality here in America specifically. Um, Yes. And yeah, so you know, how did I get involved in the sex positive movement? Um, I think that's that's also really interesting because you know being um, having been a sex worker doesn't necessarily mean that you are sex positive. You know, sex positive is an understanding of kind of demystifying, destigmatizing conversations around sexuality and being openly and not only openly but actively inclusive of of genders and and sexual behaviors and all these different things. Right. So, um, you know, I I've always been just a kind of person who stood up for others and has been very vocal my entire life uh if you ask my grandma you know she'll tell <laughs> you you know I've always been someone who's never been afraid to um, speak up for myself sorry this little one is I'm gonna put you down okay
0: <laughs> uh, mm, Lucy's six? feeling really good about what you're saying as well yes She's my, my, in.
1: my little angel um, Lucy is my um five pound Pomeranian uh if anyone's oh, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I think I I got started in and I mean, career wise, um, in about 2018, when I created SX Noir, um, I was in New York, you know, I moved, I studied abroad in London for a few years. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Missouri. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I studied abroad in London. And I came back and I just naturally gravitated in New York toward, um, the horse for lack of better words, the, mm-hmm. the thought leaders, the sex workers, the people who were just very unapologetic and shameless about what they were navigating in life. And I found that there were a lot of, um, there's a lot of oppression of oppression in digital spaces for these people navigating work, you know, so we, I'd be at dinner or cocktails with a friend and, and she'd say, oh, my Instagram was deleted or oh, um, someone, um, someone ch- charged back a, a PayPal charge or all these different things that happen mm-hmm. in digital space. And what it made clear to me was that um, sex and sex workers are not protected. I, and why is that? And so when I think about sex positivity, I very much in my career have centered it around online spaces um, because... It transcends from physical to digital spaces, and I think that's um, a conversation we're definitely having more and more. Um, but that's that's kind of where I came into play, where I'm like, okay, so what, why is why is all this happening online?
0: Yeah, that is so awesome and so interesting. And I think that that intersection between the physical world and the digital world and kind of operating in that space and like you literally sitting down with people who are talking about their digital presence and how does their physical life and physical body and physical presence in the world interact with their digital presence there within the world and and kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier of how um, legislation impacts that. And so I'm curious, um, were you, this was... I I, FOSTA-SESTA, I think, was enacted in 2018 as well, and so I guess, it, legis- which is, um, you could perhaps explain it better than I, but which is legislation that really, really restricts restricts the rights and safety of sex workers in digital spaces. And so I'm curious um, what you knew about, like, where you were at in your understanding and relationship to legislation pre-FOSTA-SESTA, and then once that happened, if that changed your activism.
1: Yeah, um, that's a really, that's a really great question. You know, so I, um, you know, I have formerly been a sex worker. I keep it pretty vague for safety reasons as far as like what when and where and how I did it all. Um, But in 2018, I was actively working. Um, So we have this thing called like sex worker Twitter. Uh, It's kind of like how there's like black Twitter and there's always different like queer queer Twitter, whatever. We have Mm -hmm. sex worker Twitter. Um, And so what I define sex worker Twitter as is just um, working people advertising and socializing on Twitter. Um, And the reason why it's kind of this little pocket of Twitter is because most of um, us are shadow banned or not necessarily mm. searchable um, on uh, Google, for example. Mm-hmm. So when you find someone, you kind of hold them in your little community, and so it's it's sex worker Twitter. Um, I remember seeing um, Owen Gray actually, funny enough, kind of tweet about this, and I'm like, why is Owen Gray? What is he talking about? <laughs> so then I was like, oh, there's this 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 monster on our backs that's coming, and sex workers were very much aware of the impact um, that FOSS Cesta would have on us as a community. And so to give further context, Fossa Cesta is a is a set of bills that was um introduced um in past that was to um foster f- fight online sex trafficking act incesta stop enabling online sex trafficking um and so essentially the purpose behind it was to um stop prostitution online um and under the guise that um children were being trafficked sexually online so mm-hmm. Typically some of these, the bills and legislations that pass in America around sexuality incorporate one or two things, children, and trafficking, um, and so it's really important that that we enc- we embody the entire conversation around the sex trade that does include coercion, because it gives context to how these bills are passed and how these um, ideals are passed through. Um, and this is absolutely psychological how these things happen, right? How dare you mm-hmm. say no to a bill that has to do with children, sex, and trafficking? What do you mean, right? Right. right. So, so that it passed, um, and we, as a community, as sex workers, were very aware that yes, this was an attempt to stop online sex trafficking, but it was a very, very, very poorly made attempt. And the way that the legislative the policy was written was it was so overreaching, you know, it just impacted anything around sex, sexuality online as a whole. Right. So, um, you know, before that, I definitely, you know i was politically engaged but i, I wouldn't ca- have called myself an activist um mm-hmm. i became very vocal around foster Cesta, and that definitely was my introduction or not even introduction but how i began tying together the pieces of sex technology um, and the impact of sex tech on our lives and the impact of sex tech on, on a government level and on a social level and all these different levels right mm-hmm. um and so after FOSS sesta happened, you know, a lot of us were talking about it and a lot of us were having conversations, but what I found was that in technology spaces, it wasn't being brought up. Um, It wasn't being brought up as a direct response to some of the terms of services that we see now on Facebook and um, Tumblr and all these different online platforms and FinTech platforms as well, and how FOSS sesta has truly changed the future of sex in America um, online. And so, Yeah, I definitely became more engaged. And like a big thing that I also learned was that, you know, just because someone is a sex worker or someone is in the sex industry does not mean that they are an activist. It does not mean they're an advocate. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Thankfully, we do have some very strong people in our community who are willing to be um, advocates. And so for those who are listening, some of the language activists is someone who, you know steps up and fights for something right so um, for example i can be an activist for stop asian hate but I can't Mm -hmm. be an advocate for Stop Asian Hate because I'm not Asian. Uh, Right, 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 right. So an activist is someone who fights for a cause and an advocate is someone who fights for a cause from their own lived experience. And so I definitely would say I I did become an advocate, um, you know, post-Faust Cesta. And part of it came from me just going into rooms where technology is being discussed and being very loud and vocal about hi, um, what about sex tech? What about sex workers? And so that the intersection of sex tech and sex work is, um, is very accurate to the, to the work that I do. And I would say it stems from that.
0: That is so amazing. I'm just like, Whoa, my interviewer brain is like gone out the window and my learning brain is uh, stepping in and just taking notes. Uh, So forgive any future stupid questions that I might be asking. But um, that is really incredible. And I think that we think about, or so how I think about the tech space is that it's very dominated by like white cis men in general. And I don't think about it um, as necessarily a space. Um, Like I think about like, phones and uh, I don't know, like card chips. you know, when I think about the technology space. And so I think that the, there is a huge, huge overlap between um, sex and sex work and technology, obviously, and you're, you're demonstrating how, how vital that space is. Um, And I'm wondering what kind of barriers or maybe not even barriers, what did you notice when you were entering the technology space that had previously perhaps not been, um, um, the sex work community had not, um, been like, Hey, hello here. We're here. We're like, pay attention to us. Um, what, what kind of barriers were you noticing or things did you notice when you first started to be really, really vocal about, uh, sexuality in the tech space?
1: Yeah. I, I love that you, I love that you kind of like self-corrected and I was like, what did you notice rather than what barriers, you know, because there obviously are barriers, but I, I do think it's a more impactful question to say, what did you notice? Right. Because we know there's yeah. barriers and oppression and all this, we, we understand, sure. that. Um, but it's really nice to give space to it. You know, I, um, I wouldn't say that I was lucky. I would say that I was very strategic with how I've entered the industry. Um, being in New York city, thankfully we have some of the Best women who have entre- who have entrepreneured um, who are entrepreneurs in the sex tech space. Cindy Gala, Polly Rodriguez, you know the founder of Maud, the founder of Dame, um, Al- Alexandra mm-hmm. Fine, You know um, Al- Alex is non-binary, but we have these brilliant founders who are right here in New York City. And um, and for those who are listening, you know New York City, um, New York is one of the leading pe- one of the leading states for fighting for decriminalization of sex work. Um, mm. And so. I really was at the right place, right time. And what I noticed was, I, I understand that tech is a very male dominated thing. Luckily enough, I don't work with men. Um, I'm sure I'll have to one day, but I mm-hmm. never work on a team <laughs> with men or,
0: or anything right like now, that. Right now, it's not the case.
1: Right now, it's not the case. I'm sure I won't be so forever lucky, but right now, um, my, my world is so female, um, non-binary, um, everything in between led. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, as the president of women of sex tech, you know, I entered my first sex technology hackathon in 2018. Um, that was produced by an amazing, um, friend of mine, Brian Nicole, who was the founder of sex tech school and also the future of sex podcast, which listen to it. They have records, they've broken records, um, in the tech space. And not only just like, and sex podcasting, but just podcasting period. So that's a really big win for all of us. And so I'm so proud of her. Um, And I attended this, this thing, right? And I was like, sex tech, what's this? I'm like, okay let's let's try that out so I went with Mm -hmm. my um, partner at the time he was more of a um he was a physicist so he was more on the coding kind of side like that but I was very much a social person I was very like into social impact and change so I went into this um thing expecting to join a team to be a good little girl and just you know be on someone's team and help them out listen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Two minutes in, I'm like, nope, I'm blowing it
0: up. Let me pitch my
1: idea. So I pitched an idea, um, and made a team from it. And I just really noticed that I was really one of the only, the only, um, group that was centering sex workers in our in our innovation around sex tech. And mm-hmm. I realized that like the conversation about sex workers wasn't necessarily missing, but it needed to be spoken about a hell of a lot more than it was. Yes. Um, And so funny enough, in that competition, I actually lost that competition, lost it. I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) I lost it because of FOS and because of the the judge's inability to understand the complexity of that legislation. But ah, look at me now, so. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Oh, anyway, don't even get me into that. So okay, <laughs> so, I entered, so I entered the industry, and so from yes. then I just became being very, very vocal in sex tech spaces. And because um, I definitely would not call sex work in sex tech a niche, but because I was so adamant on that intersection of them, I was invited into spaces. I was I bulldozed my way into spaces where if I saw anyone talking about tech, I go, "What about sex tech?" And they're like, "Huh, what's that?" And then I got to go into the room. And so I think some of the barriers that I have faced is, is really people's un, um, ignorance around sex tech and how yes. truly overreaching it is. Like you said, cell phone, one of the biggest sex tech things we have today is our cell phone. Mm-hmm. One of the big, biggest tech technologies around sex is our phone, Um, and so this understanding of like how overarching sex tech is, um, and also yeah, how male dominated the field is, and so when we founded Women of Sex Tech, it was founded back in 2015 um, by two previous founders and refounded in 2020 um, by myself and my cohort Allison and. We are essentially fighting the patriarchy in tech and essentially giving resources to women and not and marginalized genders um resources for them to be able to pursue their entrepreneurial endeavors and to continue pioneering the sex tech industry so. It's one of those things where it's like you know what did I notice i've always been someone who's been on the margins of mm-hmm. any, any room I've ever been on. I've probably been the most marginalized, oppressed, whatever you have to say. So I've always been very, very vocal in calling out injustices. And so sex tech was absolutely no different. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I guess, an answer to that.
0: Yes. <laughs> thank you. Holy shit. I, I know I know I speak for the listeners when our minds are just continually being blown away right now. So uh thank you. So that's um once again, I, I keep saying fascinating, super interesting, really amazing and impressive, and fantastic that you have such a fabulous team of people that like that are like-minded like yourself, that recognize the same spaces and needs and desires within the industry. And I'm wondering also if we can maybe switch gears to Mm -hmm. to sex tech as for the non-sex worker and what does sex tech look like for just uh, a a human being who is sexual? Uh, What have you learned as an expert in sex tech that you wish that uh, every person who has a cell phone who that engages sexually might know about uh, sex and technology?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I, I do get a bit pigeonholed into the whole sex worker conversation. Everyone finds that so interesting and fascinating. And that and that is where my expertise lies. But the reason why it, it, it started that way is because sex workers are just normal ass people. And so mm-hmm. it started that way because yes, I was I was um, acknowledging the, the 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 issues as far as um sex workers' access to fintech or social media, et cetera, but also bec- also them just as normal civilians. So yeah. for example. And not to keep talking about sex workers, but sex workers can have a Tinder. They can't have Tinder. Why can't they have Tinder if they're not working? You know, why can they not access these these everyday resources around sex tech? And so, um, to get back to the civilians or the muggles, we call them. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. You're not muggles. You're you're more than a muggle. You're you're a wizard too. (laughs) <laughs> that's what we in the internal meeting we're like okay so what about the cities like you know, you um it's a really it's a really cute term just to refer to people who perhaps maybe don't have um so many um political intersections that can be harmful to them you know whatever yes so um, dating apps, you know, we can talk about the fact that sixty dating apps increased usage of over by sixty percent during COVID. You know, and how wow. I think when I talk about it to normal people and I bring in COVID, it, a lot of things start to click um, because a lot of people did watch pornography, people um, navigated OnlyFans or navigated paid companionship for the first time ever, um, people navigated. Um, you know, dating apps, like I already said before, in a way that maybe they didn't before, um, because they weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to meet, but they could understand the value of connection and, and, and and, um, communicating with someone that they found interesting and that they liked. Um, And then, you know, to break it down, sex technology intersects across three different industries. So we have um, health and wellness, which uh, we love, right? So the health and wellness is um, gynecology, you know, IVF treatments, things like that, you know, Not to go completely off topic, but there was a time during COVID where people couldn't have babies because of COVID. Ah, that's great. That's fucking crazy. You know, like, um, IVF treatments weren't happening, you know, things weren't happening in that. And so that's absolutely sex tech, um, health and wellness also intersects into like, um, now we include toys, sex toys kind of do a little entertainment, a little bit of wellness, but right now, We're really reclaiming toys as a wellness product. So, talking about sex toys, vibrators, lubricants, um, all of those things that embody um, sexual health and sexual wellness. Um, And that's also the hems and the hers, you know, the ED pills, all those kind of things um, intersect with health and wellness and sex education, right? Um, Which is something that this podcast is absolutely doing, which is educating people and informing people on um, what's happening in the world around sex. So, the next category we have is entertainment. that's the fun stuff. That's what everyone Mm -hmm. thinks about when they think of sex tech. So yes, that's the sex robots. Yes, that's the porn. That's the Mm -hmm. VR, that's the AR, that's the AI. the augmented reality, um, artificial intelligence, all of those things, right? And so that is um, an industry that has continued to pioneer the um, internet. And something that that's where my work really comes into play, because I found that there was a lack of rights behind the people who were navigating entertainment in the sex tech industry. That's the mm-hmm. real fancy way I say sex worker <laughs> is like, <laughs> You watch porn? Hmm. why does that person not have the same rights as any other laborer in the space? Right. So yes. um, entertainment is super exciting and fun and, and innovative. And so that's the, that's the fun part that we talk about. Um, and then last but not least, we have just kind of um, overall business and tech and culture and art. So these are kind of all the things that lead into technological innovation. We kind of loop it all into one little group. Um, and so, yes, that is um. Uh, that's the art that's the erotic art, you know, mm-hmm. that is the um, the new software that has to be built out for a new type of um, dating app. You know, that's all of those kind of things that go into it, the ancillary products um, that can um, add to the sex tech experience. And so sex technology is any technology that enhances the human experience of sexuality. Um, and so exactly. that's something that we, uh, definition at Women of Sex Tech, we like to hold. And I do as well, because um, I'm a big believer that technology is to ha- enhance the human experience and not take away from it. So yeah, that's a really important definition that I think women and marginalized genders adopt more than, than men typically do.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that there is kind of, um, the, in, in the idea of like enhancing your experience as a, as a sexual being and something that leads to an enhancement of that, of that experience rather than something that detracts or something that is scary or something that needs to be, uh, legislated in a really scary way. Um, it can actually just be, we can think about sex technology as something that is expansive rather than something that detracts and something that makes things smaller and something that, uh, doesn't, it, uh, honor the capacity for pleasure inherent in all, all yeah. of us. Yeah.
1: The best example I like to give is, you know, in that, um, in that hackathon I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, we had several different teams. Uh, it was, I mean, gosh, I wish I could, that, that was one of the best events weekends of my life. <laughs> um, but there was a, there was a person there was a cis man, um, who kind of worked on a team by himself. I mean, most of the teams were like four people or so. And this guy was like one, him and someone else. Um, they came up with a blowjob app. Ooh, fun, right? But Mm -hmm. here's how it would work. You would take your phone and you do a 360 picture of yourself. Um, And then within the app, it would do an augmented reality. And so augmented reality is different from virtual reality because virtual reality is a completely different virtual reality and augmented reality is just that. It's augmentating, it's changing your actual environment. So you're still Mm -hmm. seeing what's around you in reality. Um, and he was like, yeah, we should make this app where you can take a photo and then you can get, and then taking that photo, you can give a, someone a blowjob, give them fellatio, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the women were like, negative, no. No
0: uh-uh right they were like
1: mm, no because i already see this being used without my consent i already see the yeah. way that it can be turned into something that is not enhancing the human experience of sexuality and in fact the exact function of this is detaching from the human experience and so right. this is why i think it's vital to have women and marginalized genders at the center of this industry because we have a certain level of discernment uh, mind you harm is inevitable we can't we can't avoid that but women and, and marginalized genders have a certain level of discernment that is truly to enhance the human experience um and and men typically um want something that completely detaches the humanity from sex um and i'm not speaking not all men but we're talking about 90 percent of the tech force right now so that that boy who's listening and wants to comment well not all men I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the industry of how it currently exists. And so we really have to think about the way that technology is innovated and created and implemented for the human experience.
0: Mm Hmm, and that's yeah, that's so true. And that's so, and I think it's not even just limited to uh, sex tech, but all tech centering those uh, marginalized people and genders throughout all of technology. Because at least in my understanding, there's no part of tech that's segregated from any other part. It's all the the innovation that's made in one area is going to innovate another. And like sex workers have, as we've seen through COVID, I think OnlyFans has experienced an enormous surge of people uh, going there to both work and to get, uh, entertainment. And so, uh, where was I going with this?
1: Only fans, first of all, only fans is not the first only fans, you know,
0: exactly. Um, yes.
1: Technology, they, we've been cutting up the middleman for technology for a very, very long time. As far as sex workers go, yes. um, only fans rose in popularity because of the way because of a few things, mainly, mainly COVID, right, mm-hmm. um, where because sex workers, physical people doing work in real life were actively excluded, I'm speaking about New York, were actively excluded from government aid, um, they were actively excluded from any kind of help, and so people uh, went to work online, um, mm-hmm. and what OnlyFans did was, you know, uh, we all love and hate OnlyFans. Um, I I don't hate OnlyFans. I think they paid out millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to people um, who have worked very hard for it. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, they are just the tip of the iceberg of the future of sex tech. And so what i what I do appreciate about OnlyFans is it's definitely opened up a lot of social conversations about the state of sex work. Um, they've opened up a lot of uh, ways to talk about these um, these issues. And for me specifically as an activist, for me to talk about the labor issues that exist in digital space. I don't think people are ready to talk about that quite yet, but I'm I'm ready to talk about it.
0: You're ready to talk about it. So we're <laughs> going to be talking about it. Well, there's there's no delay here. And, and I think that that is really important to recognize as well as that the history of sex tech is really uh, uh, storied and long, like, you know, we're talking in the, I'm no historian, but but into the nineties, you know, since the advent of the internet, where there is a a long, long history of, of sex tech and, and innovation within the sex worker space, but in the sex, the sexuality space in tech.
1: Well, redistribution of wealth, you know, I'll say one, I'll say two quick things. One, honey, what do you think the internet was created for? What do you think the camera was created for? What do you think the video, uh, video, video phone was made for Mm-hmm. Porn. No one gave a shit about, no one, you think they took pictures of the sky? No, they took pictures of ass and tits. No one gave it wasn't no for food? No, no one gave a shit about their family photo. No, I want to see my woman's tits and I want to take her photo and I want to go in the trenches and I want to be able to look back at that beautiful ass, you know? Yes. So no, but, I, you know, I, I really believe that um, when we talk about, when I, earlier in my amazing bio, you know, I said the right to upward mobility in physical um in and, and physical and digital spaces for financial and social um and um excuse me financial, social, and um emotional gain. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, we use this big term sex work. And I'm imagining anyone who's listening to this podcast is not going to be shocked by that term. But many people are like, whoa, what does that mean? Right? Because the moment you start attaching labor to sexuality, people freak out. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I like to talk about it in the terms of social, financial, and emotional upward mobility is because everybody understands that. Everybody understands that. You may not be a sex worker, but you may want to financially have gain. You may want to emotionally have gain or socially have gain. Um, And the way that I break that down is like, for example, I love the verse, Kanye's verse, thousand dollar bag with no money in her purse, right? Because it's like Mm -hmm. that thousand dollar bag though, may not give her financial gain, but socially, She feels really good about walking in the room with that. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of playing on this idea that like we all have different ways to, to have upward mobility and they may not all be at the same time. But when we talk about online spaces, we cannot deny the power of emotional and social um, upward mobility. We cannot deny the power of that. And so when we talk about the people who are excluded from that, this is when we start getting technical and we start talking about policies and legislation in terms of services um, Mm -hmm. that actually impact us as humans, as humanity. Um, And so that's really where my my interests lie a lot. And sex workers is always at the edge of my tongue because they're deeply impacted by all three.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so for you personally, I mean, when we talk about um, like emotional mobility, is this work taxing for, for you emotionally? I mean, how uh, uh, we can pause and cut here if we need to, but I want to see how you're, no. how you're, how are you doing? How do you hold up under the weight of this um, immensely beautiful, scary, uh, intense space?
1: No, no, we don't have to cut it all. You know, I've I've been very open and transparent about, you know, this world, um, activism, and also just me building my own company around sex tech, you know, I've been harassed, I've been violently threatened, I've been doxxed, I've been bullied, I've been cyber stalked. To this day, I'm being cyber stalked, you know, um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, And, you know, we have this, this understanding in the community or or just in the world, you know, um, that when you do seek public spaces or power within public space. I don't really know how to say that, but when you become a public figure or you become someone who is, beyond just your small community, um, people will attack you, people will hurt you. Um, yeah. And oftentimes it can be complete strangers or it can be people that are in your community. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's this double whammy, you know, it, it happened to me, I was, um, I organized an action last year, the, the largest sex worker march in history, Woohoo! Yes. Um, check us out at swliberation.com. Um, and it's also my YouTube channel on um, SX Noir. Um, and it was brilliant. We took over Times Square. It was awesome. Um, and there were some disagreements between myself and some other organizers, and what and that led to me being harassed and bullied um, and cyber stalked. And it was really difficult because it happened all during COVID, so we weren't really seeing each other in real life. So there really was no de-escalation of the situation. Um, and again, you know, we weren't running into each other. So there was no right. way to communicate this to other people or to bring awareness or anything like that. It was just really strange. And so, um, no, it was very emotionally taxing and still is, you know, and I talk to, I have a therapist and I talk to my partners about it. And I think something that just really helps me is talking about it. I, I don't shy away from it. I don't think it's something to put under the rug or anything. I, I think it's important to be open and honest about it because I know countless female founders Fem founders who have been at the brunt of abuse online and otherwise, mm-hmm. um, and it's really weird how it manifests online. You know, me, we we met in person. I'm a six foot tall black woman, okay, with a three inch heel on at all times. And you know, when you walk into the room and, <laughs> and I walk into a room, honey, people don't 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 talk to me crazy. You know, I don't give off a vibe of you can just talk to me any kind of way. Um, And that's neither here nor there, but (laughs) online, People are crazy, you know, people Mm -hmm. will say things, um, in a way that's just, they would never, ever, 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 ever even mutter, think of it in their brain, if they're in the same space as you physically. Mm -hmm. And so I think COVID has built this really weird, um, world we live in where everything is hybrid. You know, I'm building my company now and I, there's people on my team that I've never met in real life, but we talk every single day. Um, and so I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but just to say like, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to um, express is the toll of us ha- being real life humans and virtual humans at the same time and how now in 2021, you know, my grandparent was not expected to have all this, di- this dichotomy of life. My mom was not expected to have all this balance in life, uh, but I'm expected to. And so I yes. think one thing that we can really acknowledge is the big impact of having this duality of existence constantly uh, mm-hmm. while building something in such a taboo um, and historically shameful industry, which is sex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's, it, it's, so I think that that's such an important, so you just saw me like,
1: uh, know, it's like fuck, you know, it like gets hard. Like it's yeah. Not- well,
0: I was going to say like, fuck, like that sounds really fucking hard. And I, and I think it's a really amazing message for other people who or probably, hopefully other people find, um are like, fuck, well, I'm not alone. And, and that's terrible yeah. that so many other people have experienced this as well. And like you said, once you kind of remove yourself from a small community, you, you can experience uh, harassment in a small community, but once you make put, give yourself a platform or social power, you will uh, experience harassment. And and to as someone who is um, really engaged with using technology to uh, bring positive, good things into society, I can't imagine how it must've felt to feel technology uh people utilizing technology to attack you you know as you're actively fighting for tech to be used for good in society
1: that's that's the fucking irony of it all it's hilarious you know it's like it's 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 so yeah the irony is not lost on me that it was actually it was my community who targeted me and still to this day is harassing me when i'm actually the one who's fighting for all of their rights and things like that you know i i just um you know, I think it's it's just important to say out loud, you know, and I am a, in a position where I can be very vocal about it. And again, I, I am unique in the way that my my entire platform was built off sex worker activism and sex tech. So when I brought this conversation to my community, when I brought this to my team and I was very transparent about what was happening, the accusations that were presented against me, all these things, um, I was in a position where, for example, I have been doxxed. Doxx is the action of finding information online and maliciously sharing sharing it with malicious intent. Um, thankfully, you know I'm in a position where no, you can call my mom, my dad, my grandma, my auntie, my uncle, my brother, my sister, and tell them, "Oh, SX Noir is a sex worker," and then you go okay. And so I am in a position where that's not necessarily something that can, um, up in my world, but it it is upsetting to think that, um, there are people who really just want to see you in harm and want to see you in pain. You know, I, my first podcast, I interviewed, um, Rachel Robert White and Jack the stripper. And we talked about this, about this kind of transition out of sex work and into the public eye and how, you know, people will just be ruthless toward you. And what do you do? Um, one of my favorite, shows in this entire world is rick and morty you know and there's a funny Mm -hmm. episode where he's like people put you on a pedestal and then they hate you because they put you there and i think it's really interesting um how that can play out and for me just mentally and emotionally like i said some harm reduction i tactics i use is openly Honest and transparent, and and actively so with my community. That's not kind of easy for everyone because it's really embarrassing. You know, it's really embarrassing and her, it hurts talking about these things. But that's been a really great tactic for me. So that if my abusers or people around me want to throw it back in my face, I'm like, well, no, nope, everybody around me already knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just having those two people, two, three, four people, whomever that you can be vulnerable, vulnerable with and not be good with. You know, I I remember when this was happening um, I was back home in Kansas city, um, for COVID I was back home for a while. And I remember I called my friends countless times. I said, I don't need anything. I just want to be on FaceTime with you. Like I just need someone to just be there because I'm at a point right now where I don't even know if I'm going to see tomorrow, you know, and Mm -hmm. being honest about that because life is not Life is not easy, especially when we're doing so much interaction online. Um, and so yeah, it was really nice being around my family because you know I'd be kind of going through all of this and then I'd go over my grandma's for tacos or something and they're like, girl why are you, you know, this is who you are. I've, I've known you since I've changed your diapers. What are you talking about? No, you're amazing. You're this, you're that, you know, and yeah. that's really helpful. And again, I'm, that's a, um, I don't want to use the word privileged, uh, but I am blessed in that way that I do have my family to support me and I have friends that support me. Um, but no, I'll never be shyer or, or lie about no life. is just great. Everything's great. No, that shit sucks. And it's fucking hard. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I don't know if it gets easier, but I know that, you know, we can't we can't control what happens to us. We can control how we respond and how we react. And so that's, that's where I'm at right now is that people will throw shit at you consistently, um, but it's how you respond that's your power.
0: Yeah, so true. How you respond to that is what, That's, that's your power. There you have it. Um, So uh, thank you for being so honest and vulnerable about your experience and everything that your work, your experience, everything that you've learned. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, what is, what does the future hold for SX? What's on your, what's coming up?
1: (laughs) Hello. Okay. So. (laughs) I do have a podcast coming out. I have my second season coming out. Um, If you're listening to this and you're like, SX, where are those episodes? They're coming, okay? Um,
0: Chill out, everyone. They're coming. coming.
1: We have some really great episodes. They're going to also be on YouTube. So I'm super thrilled about that. Um, so I have the podcast coming out. Um, I have Women of Sex Tech. Uh, so, you know, be sure to look us up there. Um, everything everything I do all day, every day is Women of Sex Tech. Um, okay. And so we are working on a conference and our first fundraiser with NFTs and the blockchain. So I've been pretty freaking obsessed with the blockchain and how that intersects with sex tech. Um, So having several conversations around that within community Um, and yeah, you know, that that's, those are the big things I'm working on right now is um, conversations around the blockchain and sex tech. Um, I have a documentary coming up, but that's a bit hush hush for a while. So no details on that yet.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm just kind of doing a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot. Yeah. You, you've got, you've got a lot on your plate moving forward. So that is so fabulous. And lucky for us, uh, lucky for us listeners uh, that you do because all the stuff you're putting out is super great. And um, we're about to wrap up, but I do want to ask like, so for the, for the listener, the average listener, what are you really, if there's one takeaway from this, from our conversation today that you'd like them to have, what, what would that takeaway be?
1: Hmm. Um, empathy is the key to intimacy in digital space. Have a little mm. empathy.
0: Be nice. Have a little empathy. Just be nice. Yeah. Thoughtful. Everyone just... be
1: thoughtful. That's what we say. Be thoughtful. T-H-O-T-F-U-L. Be
0: thoughtful. Be thoughtful, everybody. Uh th- yes, absolutely be thoughtful. Um, so I am just so feel so grateful that you came to join me here. Thank you so so much for speaking with me. Um okay. Uh, everything that you, uh, have been, have discussed or ever all of your projects that you have out right now can all be found in the description of this episode. So check everything, everybody check everything out and yeah. Um, SX, thank you so much for being here and can't wait to talk to you again soon.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me, Paige.